Hello and welcome to Clear Out. My name is Nihal Qatar. As always, I'm joined by my brother Sahil. We're back after a little bit of a hiatus. We're going to try to record more frequently, definitely once the season starts. But how you doing, Sahil? Welcome back. I'm doing well. It's been a long time. A lot's happened in the NBA, and I think we'll be able to touch on some of those things as we as we move along here. But uh, I'm excited to talk some basketball. Absolutely. Before we get into the basketball we just want to take a moment to acknowledge the passing of Bill Russell. He passed away on July 31st at the age of 88. He was an 11-time champion in 13 years, uh, a five-time NBA MVP, and he won two of his 11 championships as a player coach, which is pretty phenomenal. To me, he's the first enduring icon in basketball history. Uh, I mean, there was other, you know, historic players during that time, but he's I feel like he was the first icon. You know, people who who even just kind of know basketball know who Bill Russell is. Um, he was a, a pioneer in, in the game in terms of his defense. Um, and also, you know, he had to face a lot of adversity in terms of racism uh, in his own city uh, while he was a player too. So great player. Um, and it's, it's a sad day that, that we lost uh, such an icon. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you look at some of his highlights, too, I mean, he looks like he really could have fit into any era. Just his lateral quickness at, at the height that he was at. He was just a ridiculous athlete and so smart defensively, it looks like, in his highlights, too. Um, obviously, we weren't watching him live because he's well before our time, but he's, as you said, his impact um, stands to this day. And, you know, blocks weren't recorded in his era. Like, like that That could make his, his stats look even better. And Final, like, there weren't finals MVPs until his last championship, and that was one of the Jerry West one. Um, so that could make his, his, uh, his you know, resume look even better, but, you know, it speaks for itself. What he did on and off the court, um, so important for the game, so important for um, athletes, um, black athletes specifically, uh, speaking out on issues, and um, he became the first black head coach in, uh, in the NBA as well after his playing career. So just so important on a variety of levels. And even recently, you know, he's been just a great ambassador for the, for the game and for the league. And um, yeah, his, his, uh, his presence will be missed. But uh, yeah. Absolutely. One of four players to win the NCAA championship and the NBA championship. Won two NCAA championships. Um, Bill Russell, dead at 88. All right, now on to the basketball. Today we're going to be talking about six teams um, that we sort of wanted to, you know, touch on, see how their offseason's going, what their future looks like, maybe talk about some of the drama with with certain teams. Um, obviously, last time we recorded was right after the trade deadline. So, uh, you know, since then, a lot has happened, like you said. The Golden State Warriors won the NBA championship. Uh, in a really fun and exciting playoff run for Steph Curry. And uh, why don't we start there? Because I think Golden State is one of the teams you want to talk about, isn't it? Yeah, for sure. And I I do think it makes sense to touch on, you know, the championship, which is you know, like the reason that we're, we record all these podcasts <laughs> and everything. The reason we all talk about the game, the end goal is to win a championship. And the Warriors kind of cemented their dynasty by winning their fourth championship in what? Uh, I I do not have the math off the top of my head. Seven years, I think, or something like that. And, um, you know, I'll always remember Steph's legendary 40-point game four. The Celtics could have gone up 3-1 and really taken control of the series, but Steph just would not let it happen. Um, Steph's whole series was ridiculous. I mean, he was he had an off game in game five, but 
Andrew Wiggins was there to get 13 key boards in that game and score 26 and just hit some ridiculously tough shots. But yeah, Steph Curry, uh, 48, 44, and 86 splits on over 31 points a game, carrying so much on offense. And I think he had a good defensive series as well. And it's just a good defensive player. And to me, this cemented him um, in the top 10 of all time. I think he's done so much in both the regular season and playoffs now. And this was for sure his crowning achievement. You know, a team that was very limited offensively. Clay Thompson, I mean, he was his spacing was important. Um, he just gave them a, a valuable wing presence that they obviously needed, but he wasn't the same player. Draymond, I mean, I'll always remember in Game 4, Steve Kerr playing offense-defense with him at the end of the game. Obviously, he showed up big time near the end of the series and still one of the best defenders on planet Earth, but, you know, obviously offensively, he wasn't giving it to you every night, so Steph had so much burden, and he did it and um against a great team at that so uh, it was a, it was a fantastic series um i mean it, it the games weren't always fantastic but it was a fantastic uh at least moment for steph curry and and this this group of three guys that that were all drafted by the warriors absolutely uh you know he won a finals mvp for the first time of course um you know legacy wise that's huge for him it's his second championship without kevin durant which i also think is unfortunately important for him in terms of his legacy. And like you said, he did not have much help. Draymond and Clay were not the players they were uh, in, in, in his first championship run. Um, sure. Obviously, this season, the emergence of Jordan Poole and Andrew Wiggins was huge for the team. And, uh, you know, it, it helped them get to the finals. Um, I think they, they it felt like for a moment there when Boston went up 2-1 that Boston might actually pull this out. But uh, they... The Warriors came back. I mean, they did a good job. Yeah, for sure. I think Steve Kerr did a really good job trying to mix and match different lineups. I mean, this was a team that was just kind of disjointed all year, trying to figure out different combinations. Steph Curry had that injury late in the season. So remember, he was coming off the bench, actually, in the first, at least in the first series. And Steph, of course, took that in the best way possible and just balled out as Poole was also balling out as he was starting. Um... But yeah, um, you know, but before the season, I just want to take credit. Last year, I said Steph would be MVP, and I wasn't right about that. But you know, this feels kind of close. Uh, he, he was Finals MVP. But you know, moving into the off season, we can talk about that a little bit. I think losing Gary Payton uh, will hurt a lot. By the way, great story for him. You know, bouncing around the league so much. He had an injury in the playoffs that we thought might take him out of all the playoffs, but then he came back in the finals, was and was such an important part. Just knows his role, knows to he, that he, he can t- he can only take corner threes, doesn't take above the big threes, sets good screens, and is just a, a hell of a defender. Um, so losing him will hurt. Um, I understand why they didn't want to pay him over three years, um, but you know that's where the Dante Divincenzo signing kind of comes in on their mid level. And I think Divincenzo is a very flawed player, but I think he'll perhaps be getting some more open looks in this offense. Um, I think defensively he'll be able to gamble pretty successfully with like Draymond behind him. But just definitely not the point of attack defender that Gary Payton is. So he's always struggled at the rim, to say the least. But I think he'll, he'll also be getting, you know, Steph Curry's made a bunch of uh, players throughout his career get easy dunks. So hopefully Dante's uh, rim scoring will improve there for them. But what, what do you what do you what do you kind of think of you know that that specific uh, view? You know, losing Gary Payton and getting in Dante Divincenzo. Do you think Dante can can play a successful role in the playoffs for the Warriors next year? Uh, no. <laughs> I mean, maybe. Maybe maybe if there's less... There, there was actually quite a bit of a burden on Dante, I would say, in Milwaukee. 
um, because he, he was kind of leading the bench lineups at times. Um, I, I have to say, I did not really watch him in Sacramento. Um, they were not a fun watch for me this year, so I barely watched them. Uh, you know, he has trouble finishing around the rim. I, I think if he just does what he does well, um, and he sort of follows that Pat Connaughton evolution of like, I'm just going to be a spot up shooter. And, you know, he's a, he's a really good rebounder as well. Kind of for like sure. Pat Connaughton. Um, might need him some of those small lineups. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I mean, maybe defensively, he's nowhere near, you know, what Gary Payton was. He's not a player that you're like, okay, you, I can put him on the opposing team's best guard and be comfortable that, that, you know, with the matchup. Uh, he gambles quite a bit, and it's not like Matisse-Thibault gambling. Like, he doesn't really win that. Uh, well, I mean, I, I shouldn't say that, but he gambles a lot. Um, he, he sometimes in the past has made some boneheaded plays. I Particularly think. in clutch situations. Yeah, in clutch situations, exactly. Um, so I, I certainly not an upgrade, kind of like you were alluding to, but uh, it, I think there's still time for him to turn, you know, turn it around and become a good player because we have seen flashes of a really solid player. Um, and he is going to provide a lot more on offense than Gary Payton did. Um, another loss for them, though, speaking of clairvoyance in the off- last offseason, uh, Otto Porter Jr., a uh, huge loss for them, I think. Uh, he shot nearly 60% in the finals from three. Um, you know, throughout the playoffs, he averaged like five points a game, but still, I felt like a lot of his buckets came at important points. Um, in game one, he was four for five from, from in the finals. He was four for five from three, which was huge, I thought. Um, I thought he probably could have maybe even played a little bit more, but, you know, it didn't matter. They ended up winning the finals anyway. Uh, but he also, I think, is going to be a big loss. And we'll see, for me, I'm interested to see, like, what, what does Andrew Wiggins look like going forward? Was this a one-off thing, or is this the level he's going to be at in, in Golden State? Um, and I don't think we can assume that he's going to be the same player um, I think he'll probably end up being almost as good, but he, he had a fantastic season. Um, and then, you know, also, we're also interested probably in, in Jordan Poole's growth and to see if he can even, if he can add more into his game, particularly on the defensive end. Uh, I think that would be nice. Yeah, no, I, I want, I want Jordan Poole to at least make some slight leaps defensively. And I almost might need even, might need him to have even more of a scoring pop than he did because Obviously, we saw his minutes dwindle as the playoffs went down, and I, he he was clearly like the weakest link defensively in some lineups. And I really want that Steph, Poole, Clay, Wiggins, Draymond lineup to work, but mm-hmm. that is definitely to be determined. Yeah. Um. I think, like you said, Otto Porter, a big loss. Just just a kind of I mean, you know, just kind of a smart player, made the right plays, took open threes, was pretty versatile on defense. Um, you called that as as a great addition last offseason, and that definitely works. He. It was good to see him, you know, get a get a good role um, on a on a contending team finally. And yeah, it's going to be super important to see how much they mix in Kaminga, Moody, and Wiseman because mm-hmm. you're losing Otto Porter, you're losing Gary Payton. They're just minutes. Right. They're going to need to be allocated somewhere now. Um, maybe you you play Looney even more, but I mean he was even playing a lot near, near the end of the the, the final stretch there. Um, but yeah, those guys are going to need to make leaps in the case of Wiseman that he's going to need to play and <laughs> we'll see what he is. I mean, I'm not giving up on him necessarily because, you know, I just think he needs to get some minutes in the regular season and we need to see what he can kind of do. Moses Moody, I, I think, I think he's, he can just be a nice role player for them. Jonathan Kaminga is also um, a really interesting player that I feel like if you ask a lot of different people, they'll probably have different opinions on him. I, I'm just kind of in a wait and see approach now on him, but yeah, it's 
it's it, it's it's kind of hard for me though to see this team as the title favorite going into next season because even throughout that run last year there was just a lot of like lineup mixing and so much experimentation even happening in the playoffs that like basically Steph was just holding them together with like you know being the brilliant player that he is and maybe he will be but you know you also have to factor in our Clay and Draymond I mean I think Clay's gonna look a little better just because he's He's gonna, it's going to be second year coming back from two catastrophic injuries. But Draymond, you know, still might some take some steps back offensively or, you know, not I, he might not improve offensively at least. And then Steph, I mean, what is he going into his age 34 season, something like that? Um, so it'll be interesting to see how much development happens, how much regression, regression happens, and then how much, you know, continuity will they have in terms of the lineups they're putting out there. Because it felt like even last year, like they were like one injury away from just kind of falling apart, but they 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 were able to keep it together because of Steph Curry and Steve Kerr finding the right balance. But um, I have to say, I think like if if you would ask me again if the finals were to have a rematch next year, I think I don't think I think I would pick the Celtics in the, in that scenario now. I mean, I don't know if I necessarily agree with that. I think neither team is is the most likely to win the championship. I agree with that. Um, Those are my but, three and four spots. But we can we can get to that <laughs> later. Uh, I I do think the top of the West is a little more up in the air next season um, in terms of their path to the finals. Uh, I I I was I like what you said about you know they have three well basically three lottery picks. I don't I don't know if Moses Moody is quite a lottery pick. Um, but, uh, you know, we have to see what those guys are. Moses Moody, I thought last year played really well. I mean, he played in 52 games. Um, and he, like you said, he looks like a solid role player. He's only 20 years old. So I think he'll continue to grow. Kuminga, um, can he add more on the offensive end? Um, I, I think that'll be interesting to see as well. And Wiseman, I, I, if I had to put my money on it, I don't think he's a warrior by the end of the season. So I think the warriors are going to look a little bit differently. Um, are, are the teams going to look different than they, are, they do now? Uh, so it's, it's also a little bit hard to evaluate, you know, where will they be halfway through the season? Um, you know, is Draymond going to take another step back offensively? And how much is that going to impact them? Um, I mean, like, can he even take a step back? I don't know. Um, but, I mean, he's such an important player on defense that he, he needs to play at times. For sure. So um, it'll be interesting to see how, how Steve Kerr manages that. Yeah, and what I, it was probably important to mention Jermichael Green, too, who can take some of those Otto Porter minutes who they signed this offseason. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, yeah, I think it's really interesting some of the things you mentioned because last year was almost like people were like, what are the Warriors doing? Like, they're so obsessed with, like, trying to be contenders for, like, 15 years. Maybe they just need to make a move and make a trade at the deadline to win now. They did nothing mm-hmm. at the deadline. Um, but maybe this year they do need to because there's going to be some more regression and... Um, maybe like some of those role players will have higher values on those young role players we we're talking about. So it'll be interesting to see how they handle that. Or maybe they'll just, maybe they'll just win the championship again and do nothing again. So <laughs> maybe, <knows>? maybe. <laughs> um, so that was the Warriors. Uh, let us know what you guys think about the Warriors, what their outlook is for the season. We love to hear from you guys. Um, next up, um, let's talk about the Nets. Uh, cause we, we have not talked since the trade deadline on this podcast. Um, and obviously at that time, that's when Harden got traded away um, to the Sixers, who, spoiler alert, we'll also be talking about. Um, but, I mean, what, what is going on in Brooklyn? Uh, Kevin Durant, for those of you who don't know, uh, requested a trade out of Brooklyn. Kyrie Irving initially looked like he didn't want to come back to Brooklyn, but then signed an extension. Um, so things are weird in Brooklyn right now. 
Wait, did he sign an extension or did he just opt into his playoff? He, he opted in. That's, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. yeah, yeah. He opted in. Yeah. Um, yeah. I know it is an extremely weird roster to look at. I mean, it it, it actually looks pretty talented. I mean, it does. <laughs> across the board. I mean, they got TJ Warren in the offseason. We'll see what he has left. That's just an interesting kind of flyer. They traded a first round pick for Royce O'Neal, which I I, I don't. I, that just confuses me so much. It's like I don't know exactly what they're trying to do. If you can convince Kyrie and Katie to play, there's not going to be a vaccination problem anymore. I think like I think this team can be really good. I mean. They have good role players. They're going to get Joe Harris back. Nick Claxton's probably going to develop a little bit more. They, uh, yeah, I mean, they have Patty Mills, who's just kind of like a regular season machine in, in terms of bench units. Like, I think they, they, they have the potential to have a good team. They did lose Bruce Brown, which is, you know, that's that's tough loss because he was actually ended up being really important for them as kind of a role player in, those, in some of those closing lineups. But, um, yeah, I mean... Obviously, this, the conversation starts and ends with Kevin Durant, who obviously requested a trade, as you said. So um, I, I wonder if there's going to be an offer that really meets the, the criteria for Kevin Durant. And if not, what, how Kevin Durant responds to that. Is he going to play? Is he going to kind of half, like, not, not wholeheartedly play? Or, like, I don't know. You know, I, I, I obviously I don't know what Kevin Durant is thinking. Um my 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 gut reaction is he will play. He's too old to just forego a season, in yeah. my opinion. I mean, he has so many shots left to win a title. And, I, I mean, I think this team is good enough to make the finals if everyone's healthy and everyone's on the same page, like you said. Uh, it's, it's a really, really talented team. And, you know, they had, you know, they had some players like Cam Thomas last year who, who showed flashes. So, I mean, even he could develop. For sure. Um, but it's a really it's a fascinating team when you look at their roster because I'm not quite sure what their starting lineup is or what their rotation is going to look like, uh, or who's going to be handling the ball. <laughs> but, you know, it, they've got two really really good players in Kevin Durant. Um, well, Kevin Durant's like a top three player, and you know Kyrie Irving is great. Um, or well, I mean, see that's the thing though, Kyrie Irving was not that great when he even when he came back last year. So we don't even know what level he's going to be at. Yeah, I mean, I think it's just so... I think if he has a whole season... If these two... If Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant can play a whole season together, have, like, you know, maybe they both miss, like, 10, 15, 20 games, fine. But at least they play together. There's no vaccination stuff. There's no drama. Then I think they can be a really good pairing together. I mean, they're both... They can both play off ball. They can both handle the ball. I mean, and mm-hmm. then and then Ben Simmons, I think, if he embraces, like, kind of, like, a Draymond light role can kind of work. I mean, they have the shooting around him to, to, to make it work, that he, he won't have to space the floor or anything. So, yeah, no, it, it, it's a super interesting roster. What I will say is that if I'm trading Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, depending on what you're getting back, I might value picks, because your picks are, your picks, Brooklyn's picks, who are looking very valuable right now, are almost all in Houston, and... You, I, I think you, you want to get some of those picks back. And if you're just, like, I don't know, even, like, if, if your team is just Ben Simmons and, like, a slightly good player, like, or, like, Mikhail Bridges or something, like, I just think you maybe should value getting picks more than winning immediately because, um, you know, I think Ben Simmons works a lot, like, mm-hmm. in terms of the context around Kevin Durant and Kyrie, but I don't know if you want Ben Simmons back and, like, the best player on a, on a title team or anything like that. Yeah, I mean, it really comes down to what you said. Is is there going to be a package 
that entices Brooklyn. You mentioned Mikael Bridges. If they're turning down Jalen Brown, they're not going to trade for Mikael Bridges. I mean, if, if Jalen Brown was truly on the table, which it was widely reported that he was, it, along with Marcus Smart and a pick, um, do I think that's really enough for Kevin Durant? Probably not, but it's a lot more than most teams can offer. Um, you know, the rumor was they wanted a young all-star. Um, you know, the Suns, who who were, I think, Kevin Durant's preferred destination, don't really have that, uh, besides, like, Devin Booker, yeah. um, which is off the yeah. table. Uh, There's Boston, Scotty Barnes, which I know, I mean, people have talked about. I don't know if there's yeah. any contact, but I doubt Toronto really wants to do that. Right. I mean, you know, there's there's Donovan Mitchell in Utah, but he's not going to Utah, um, most likely. And, and the thing is, though, Kevin Durant does not have leverage. Brooklyn has all the leverage just to take the best deal possible and to wait for the best deal possible. You know, you said, is Kevin Durant going to play? What is he going to play? Is he not going to play for the next three years? I mean, that's how long his contract is. Um, Brooklyn really does not need to trade Kevin Durant uh, if they don't want to. Yeah, I think this is kind of an unprecedented situation with the length of the contract on there. And I get Kevin Durant's frustrations. His experience being in net has been really tumultuous, and I don't think he really mm-hmm. deserves much of the blame for that because there's been James Harden and Kyrie Irving and, and injuries. So, like, it is what it is, but I, I agree with you that I don't think the Nets are going to rush into making a trade they don't have to make. So it might be in Kyrie and Kevin Durant's best interest to just Go out there and, and try to try to win a chip. I mean, like, you know, I mean, there, there was the rumor earlier in the summer that, like, they would be willing to play together on a different team, okay? But, like, you guys have good role players. You're in a big market. Just go win. I mean... <laughs> no, absolutely. absolutely. You can do it. Here. They can. They can do it. Um, I mean, that's all I have on that. So I just wanted to talk about them because they've been a big story this offseason. Uh, you know, we didn't even really talk about how they flamed out in the playoffs. Uh, they, they got swept by the Celtics in the first round. Closest swept uh, in NBA history in terms of point differential, though. Close. <laughs> Closest well, sweep. <laughs> no, I mean, the games the are close, close yeah. especially the first game. You know, if the first game goes a little bit differently, who knows how the rest of the playoffs right. turns out. Um, but, that, well, that's what, and that's the thing. They have the talent. They really do. Um, and also, you know, I think if they can... Staying healthy in the regular season, I think, is, is big for them, too, so they can get one of those top three seeds. Um, I think that'll, that'll be really useful for them. Um, who do you want to talk about next? Where do you want to go next? Um, let's go to let's go to Boston. Let's go to Boston, the team that the okay. team that swept the the Brooklyn Nets. <laughs> so I'm I, I'm not gonna get that much into the series. I mean, last year, except like relative to what I how I think that projects in the future. But I I mainly talked about the Warriors playoff run because they won the championship, and I felt like we should discuss that. Mm-hmm. Um, but huge addition was they basically traded like a first round pick. And Daniel, was it Daniel Tice, I think, for Malcolm Brogdon? Um, yeah, I, I really like this move. I think he has really good length. I think he can fit into switchable lineups and can be a formidable defender, formidable defender, especially if he's locking in. And I think it will just take some of the more the playmaking burden off of Brown and Tatum, potentially in late-game situations. Not too much, because I still think you might want the ball in Tatum's hands. Um, you know, he's just going to... He, he's just such a good off-the-dribble shooter. But... I, I, I I mean and just cre- and he's turned into a much better creator Tatum too. I expect Brogdon's efficiency to come up too as he becomes the third scoring option. Like I think he had great efficiency for the Bucks, but then as his load has increased with Indiana, his, his efficiency has mostly gone down. But I think like if he's getting he's gonna get open threes in lineups with Tatum and Brown, and I think 
Um, I think he's going to be able to hit them, and he's going to add some pick-and-roll creation that they've been lacking. Um, kind of get like a real, a, a real more traditional point guard um, in some of those lineups. And yeah, like I said, yeah, he, he did shoot. He did not have a great shooting season from three last season, but I, I expect that to improve. And like the season before, he was fine. And with the Bucks, he was quite a good shooter as well. Um, yeah, I, I, I think uh, I have other thoughts, of course, on the Celtics. But what do you think about the Malcolm Brogdon addition? I think it's a great addition. I, I think they needed a true facilitator on offense. Jalen Brown is not that. Marcus Smart acted as that player, and he can do a serviceable job, but uh, I don't think he's as good as Brogdon in that respect. Um, even though, I mean, they averaged the same amount of assists per game last year, but Malcolm Brogdon... I mean, the biggest thing for me with Malcolm Brogdon is health. I mean, every season it seems like we're talking about the same thing. He gets hurt, um, and he doesn't end up playing even close to a full season, uh, and his, his playoff run's in jeopardy, so... That's that's a big deal to me. Um, you know, I think Derek White being part of the team for an entire season, because he, he played really well in the playoffs. Uh, yeah. I think that'll be useful for them, too. Um, you know, they also added Danilo Gallinari, which is an interesting addition. I think that's a good regular season piece for them. For sure. Um, I don't think he's going to factor much into the playoffs. But, you know, we've, we've seen those pieces matter in the regular season in terms of seeding, even if they're not big playoff players. Um, but, but but back to Malcolm Brogdon, I, I do think it's I do think it's a really good addition, especially since they didn't really give up too much. Like they kept everyone, everyone basically. Yeah, I mean Aaron Neesmith was maybe a player some Celtics fans liked in certain spots too. I forgot to mention him, but yeah, and Daniel Tice. I mean, I, I bet you he comes back to the Celtics in another trade. He's just forever. He's forever going to be part of the organization somehow. But yeah, I think. I think, I mean, we should talk about Jason Tatum. I, I think the, mm-hmm. the discourse on him verged on extremely critical last year. I mean, and I just think it got a little bit unfair at times. I mean, this guy came off the Olympics, played a ton of games and a ton of minutes, and then played almost record-breaking minutes in the playoffs. And he had a disappointing series against the Warriors, but I'd still say he had a, he had a pretty good playoffs. And he just came off a first-team All-NBA season as only 24. So I think you can definitely expect improvement there. I mean, there are specific things I want to see from Tatum. Like, I would like to see an improved floater for him to kind of vary up his offensive game a little more. And just a more willingness to get to the rim and initiate contact as well. I feel like there's a lot of times where he was, um, you know, kind of hedging when he got to the rim, kind of trying to draw a foul, not really trying to score. But he's 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 big, he's, he's long, he should be able to score over a lot of defenders, and he definitely has the talent and athleticism too. So um, th- there are some things you definitely want to see from Tatum, and... And it was disappointing, particularly like some of the efficiency in against the Warriors. But I think I think we can expect him to have basically like another All NBA level season. Maybe not first team because things can change around, and um, you know it's hard to say someone's only like uh, like Giannis and Luca are basically penciled into first and Jokic might be penciled into first team All NBA or something like that. But, yeah, yeah. I, I think what goes a little bit under the radar is. Uh, to, in my opinion, Jalen Breen, Jalen Brown, excuse me, throughout the entire playoff run, like leading up to the finals, was not that great. Um, was not really up to his own standard, especially you know against the Bucks. Um, and Jason Tatum carried them to the finals, uh, essentially. And you know against against the Bucks, I mean, I can I'm thinking about right now, like just all the incredible shots that Jason Tatum hit, that really no one else in the NBA besides maybe Kevin Durant can make game huh. six in milwaukee yeah 
that is a performance that nobody mentions, but they absolutely should. Like that that was ridiculous. On the road in a close in an elimination game for your team, he scored forty six points. <laughs> right. I mean forty six points. He he I, I agree with you. The discourse around him was is is really stupid. Um I mean he is just going to continue to ascend. Uh, he's he's clearly a top 10 player in the NBA, in my opinion, right now. He's only 24 years old. He's continuing to improve, uh, which, you know, I think a lot of people would argue maybe we saw a bit of stagnation a little bit for a couple of years in, in terms of his development. But he took a jump this year. So I don't think it's unreasonable to expect him to take another jump um, this upcoming season. And, I mean, he's a player who averaged 26-7-6 and six in the playoffs. I mean, that is a, a great yeah. line. And playing awesome defense as well. Right. <laughs> so. Absolutely. Uh, the one thing about the Celtics is, are they going to get Kevin Durant? I mean, what what is... I, I don't think that's completely over and done with. Um, so we'll see if that's the case. But if the team as it is right now is definitely good enough to make the finals and, and probably win a championship. Um, in my opinion, I, I don't think they're the best team in the East anymore. Um, or I don't think they really were last year either, but, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, they are, they are really deep too. Um, you know, Grant Williams was huge in their playoff run. He was not great after the Bucks series, but, um, and that, I mean, I, you know, for those of you who don't know, we're Bucks fans. So that's why I keep talking about the Bucks series. Uh, Robert, Robert Williams didn't play throughout the entire playoffs really healthy. But when he did, I mean, when he was on the floor, he's awesome. He's amazing. Yeah. I mean, he's he's awesome. I don't know if I've ever seen a player like him uh, on defense. Uh, he, he's incredible. Uh, so I, the future is bright in Boston. The future is bright for Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, who's another player who took a huge step this past year. Um, you know, I would love to see if he can add a little bit more of the facilitation into his game. But like I said, Brogdon's really going to help uh, in in that scenario. For sure. It's going to make a lot... I think it's going to make Jalen Brown have a lot of easier decisions. Like he's going to be able to just catch and shoot or go straight downhill. I think he's going to have mm-hmm. less decisions where he's going to be asked to create as much. I mean, and only a little bit. He's still going to be asked to create and he needs to get better with his handle. He needs to, he needs to become just a much better passer in my right. opinion. But... Um, well, yeah. and, and now when, when Marcus Smart's not on the court, they can have someone who can handle the ball. Um, and vice versa with Brogdon. I mean, Marcus Smart was really the only guy. Um, and, I mean, Tatum has improved his passing, no doubt. Absolutely. Uh, but he's he's not a primary playmaker. Um, and we'll see maybe and we'll see how Al Horford is this season if he continues to just defy age and time and everything we know about sports. <laughs> yeah, no, um, he looked amazing in certain minutes in last year's playoffs, and he's really important in those lineups. I mean, especially with um, you know uh, Robert Williams was injured a lot and not healthy, so they were playing Horford a lot at the five, and it was working a lot. Like they had, they were very switchable, um, and on even on offense, he was you know I mean th- th- it feels like there's. Al Horford's like three point shot has like gone through several several different stages in his career, but when he's mm-hmm. confident, and he he's just a good shooter, and mm-hmm. uh, that was really and that can really kill teams who try to uh, roam off of him um, in order to stop dribble penetration from guys like Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. But yeah, I mean in this calendar year they were incredible. Would not be surprised if they had a top five offense and a top five defense this season. Like that seems perfectly possible to me. Defense I think is the more guaranteed part. Like that they. Basically, have no weeks on no weaklings on defense except for when Peyton Pritchard is playing, um, and yeah, I mean that that what you mentioned. I mean the bright future thing, and that's why it's so tough. I mean, 
that's why people have difficult discussions. For me, if, if I, I, you know, if you basically think you can elevate your title chances next year to like 35%, something like that, by adding Kevin Durant, I think you do it. Um, but I understand, you know, why a lot of Celtics fans or people are going to be reluctant to shorten their window, but I think you got to, I mean, if you can try, if you know you can be that high of a level of contender in one year, like if you, if you got Tatum and Durant and let's say you lose, you know, Smart and, uh, and, um, Jalen Brown, I mean, they're, they're, the, they're the runaway favorite, I think. No, absolutely. To, to win the title. So if you can do something like that, I mean, that, that's where I'm at. I mean, I get that there's, you know, there's culture, there's, there's, there's all that stuff, but um, that's why, I mean, I think they could regret not making a move like that it's, if, if they don't end up winning a championship in one of these next few years. I, I totally agree. I mean, anytime you can go from one of the contenders to the contender, I mean, I think that's worth it. The thing is, though, that, that is what they offered. They offered Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart. It seems like they have to give up more. Um, and then, you know, then I think you can start to have a discussion about, you know, how much are you willing to give up, but... Sure. For for me, it's a no brainer. If you can get Kevin Durant, you should you should go for it. Yeah. Uh, anything else on the Celtics? Uh, yeah. I mean, just yeah. I think. I mean, we'll see how like you know culturally, this team has always been kind of volatile. There's been Marcus Smart flare ups in the locker room after playoff losses. We know all that. I mean, we saw Jalen Brown not being too happy with being mentioned in trade rumors on Twitter, which is normal. But I think that. This season, they know what they're capable of now. Ime's in his second year after coaching just a fantastic season. Last year, especially in this calendar year. Um, yeah, I, I expect them to, to be a top two seed in the East. Uh, but I do agree with you that I, they are not my, my, my title favorite this year. Or my favorite to make the NBA Finals from the East. Absolutely. Totally agree with you there. Moving on to the team I really want to talk about. The most exciting young team in the NBA the Detroit Pistons. Um, man, I absolutely, I'm so excited. I'm so excited about this team. You know, we live in Toledo, uh, or we're from Toledo. Uh, orig- well, yeah, we live in Toledo. Our family's in Toledo now, so we kind of grew up with the Pistons. I love the Pistons. I love it when they're good. Um, and this young core that they've been playing together is super exciting. What they did on draft night was absolutely incredible. Um, they got Jaden Ivey, who prior to this season people would have had as a surefire top two uh top three pick and then they were able to trade for um Jalen Duren um and you know that's a player you know and this has been confirmed by Windhorse um that's a player the Pistons valued as a top five pick like that's a player they were considering at their original pick and they were able to get both of those guys um so absolutely fantastic for them uh, and they already have, you know, Cade Cunningham, who I think we both think is going to be a great NBA player. Um, they have exciting, other exciting young players um, like Isaiah Stewart um, and Sadiq Bey, uh, who, who we also both really like. Some, the rest of their offseason, a little bit weird. You know, they added some players who I don't really understand. Uh, they re-signed uh, Marvin Bagley. We'll see how that works. Um, they also got Nerlens Noel. Kelly Olenek is there. Uh, they picked up Alec Burks, which is actually a player that I, I really like for them, um, just to see them through this season. And I'm going to say it now, I think this can be a play-in team. I, I think they're going to be a play-in team. You know, I mean, I don't, I don't doubt it. I mean, I, I, I would have to, you know, kind of 
look more at the teams that I think might fall out of uh, out of that mix a little bit. But for sure, I mean, this team's got a ton of upside. I love Sadiq Bay, Cade. I mean, I don't know if I've. I mean, it's been a while since a player in his second year. I'm more confident that he's going to be like a perennial All NBA guy. Like I, I, I just absolutely. You just watch the guy play. He knows how to play. He's, he, he was such a I mean he was such a good passer especially relative to what I, my expectations of him were last year and he's got the length he's gonna be just so useful really fit in with any group of guys they want around him um, I, I think he's gonna be a top 10 player in the NBA and I'm, I'm, I'm so confident about that um, yeah uh, Bagley like you said a little bit of a weird one he's never really been like a plus player in the NBA but like I guess like what are you going to do exactly with that cap space going forward if you're the Pistons? What they could do is, you know, kind of use them their cap space as a dumping grounds and just get more first picks to continue to build up their team. I mean, I kind of like that idea better. But Bagley looked, you know, decent in flashes last year with the Pistons. You know, Cade, I think, made him look a little better. So hopefully he can he can turn into something, um, you know, a playable player uh, consistently. And then, like you said, Duran and Ivy, super exciting picks. Ivy, I'm so excited to see just on a nightly basis. Like, honestly, the, the, the Pistons are going to be at the top of my league pass uh, watch list. Like, mm-hmm. I, they, they're they going to be so fun, and I just hope that they... Um, uh, I hope that at least they give us, you know, if even if they're going to tank and they want to get in the victor sweepstakes one more time or something, I hope they just give us, you know, like 20, 25, 30 games at the beginning of the season where they're just, like, going all out. And, um, yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited to see what they can do. Uh, the... the definitely a huge bright future and like you said they kind of like with Nerlens Noel um and then they uh now signing him like I think that that's kind of a good placeholder center that they were just kind of missing for a while so he just does some standard center things you know rebound protect the paint a little bit um so yeah and Alec Burks like you said I think well 31 years old I I would have I don't know if I would have guessed that I (laughs) looking at his age here now but um he's definitely a useful player and can provide some spacing because you know, part of the part of the impressive thing about Cade's passing last year is that like he was also just I think he could average even more assists if he was passing to guys who could actually make shots like a lot of the time, so <laughs> No, absolutely. Um Cade throughout the season he averaged five point six assists per game. Um, but had ten point five potential assists, which is not a great stat, because uh, you're gonna miss shots in the NBA. Um, but I I I do think that is a little bit telling uh, and if they can get players around him who are going to develop which they have um, and that are going to knock down those shots like you said I think his passing really impressed I think that was the most surprising thing for me uh, coming out of Cade's rookie season his passing I was so impressed with it uh, he's he's got to get a little bit more efficient which you know the, the young players tend to be inefficient um, I mean we saw a big jump with Ant in terms of efficiency I think um, you know so I, I think I, the, like you said, he can be a perennial All NBA type of guy. I mean, just in April, he averaged twenty three seven and six. Um, so you saw that growth in his game. Yeah, and he started already. to get much more efficient during weeks yeah. the end of the season. His first, like, he, like the first bit of his season really pulled him down. And yeah, he's got to turn over the ball a little less. But the fact that he's willing to see passes and try them. I mean, turnovers. I mean, all rookies are gonna have a, like a high turnover rate. So, which he did. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I expect that the efficiency and the turnovers to come down. And the assists to go up, and just uh, I'm I'm so excited to see what he can do. Um, right. Uh, they they often don't give most improved player to like second second year players, especially if they're drafted that high. But I 
I I could see I could see very big things for Cade, and definitely I could see even like an All Star appearance as soon as like his third year. Uh, yeah, yeah, maybe even this year. We'll see. Awesome. <laughs> um, no, but I mean, I would love it um, if he was. I mean, like you, maybe Victor, maybe tanking for Victor or would be the the prudent thing to do. Um, but also, I I do think you, I do think you got to try to start winning with this young core. Um, you're coming up on, on salary cap or on salary years for some of your players. Like next year is going to be the year where they're going to have to make moves in the off season. I think, um, if they really want to make their salary cap, if they want to take their salary cap situation as far as possible, you've got some extensions coming up for Isaiah Stewart and Sadiq Bay. Um, so the, the window is a little bit like tighter than I think people think. I mean, they'll be good no matter what, if they just keep their young core, I think, but you know, you do want to start winning a little bit so you can maybe attract um a, a pretty good free agent next season and i think that's a, that's a nice part about signing bagley too because it's just it's an 11 million dollar contract right. you're gonna be much. able to attach it with picks and and that's how you that those contracts are, are great to have in the nba because they're tradable absolutely um i i think the interesting thing for me is is what their front court's gonna look like this this season uh i, I mentioned you know all of the guys they have they have bagley they have isaiah stewart they have Nerlens Noel, Kelly Olynyk, Jalen Duran. What, what I mean, what is what is their front court going to look like? Um, I mean, even even Diallo can play the four a little bit. Um, something that I found really interesting in the summer league was Isaiah Stewart was playing the four, and according to Cleaning the Glass, he's played a hundred percent of his minutes in the NBA as a center. Um, so, you know. You don't really see a third third year player too often go to summer league and try out a new position just to see like how he'll fit in with the team next to Jalen Duran. I thought that was pretty cool actually, um, and you know they, if he can be, if Isaiah Stewart can be like an oversized PG Tucker kind of person, just you know and improve his three point shooting and kind of defend um, those fours and fives uh, along with Duran. Well, Duran's a rim protector rather. I think that. I think that's a really good formula if if it, if they can pull it off. Obviously, you know the jury's still out on that. Isaiah Stewart's a thirty three percent career three point shooter, uh, but he did shoot five for nine in summer league from three. Um, <laughs> very small yeah, sample it. size, but, but it's above fifty percent. Um, but I mean, if that's something that he's clearly working on, that could be huge for them too. Um, and I like I like how that bodes for their future. I just hope there's enough minutes for those two in the front court this season and they don't they don't feel like they have to play Olenek, Noel, and Bagley um you know more than those young guys but we'll see we'll see we'll see what happens I, I basically what I'm trying to say is I hope there's enough minutes for those guys to develop in the front court and I think you know they invested a lot in those guys so there probably will be but yeah I think at Noel and Olenek will give them enough kind of different looks to play at those positions too to mm-hmm. pair with just one of them in certain lineups one sure. of the young guys that we're talking about um, but where's Bagley fit in? <laughs> that's yeah. what I don't really. Understand. Yeah, I mean, maybe he doesn't, and maybe that's fine. Like we said, I mm-hmm. mean, it's just it was just maybe it was just a flyer. Did they have to pay him that much for that many years? Probably not, but you know, whatever. <laughs> we're, we're not. We're not. We don't need to rain on the Pistons parade this summer. Um, the yeah, no, I mean, I totally agree with you. That that is encouraging, though. If Stewart can become like a passable corner three point shooter or something like that, because you look at like his stats, like his. His hustle stats are off the charts. He, I mean, and this, you know, this passes with the eye test too, but scoring-wise, he's just not as efficient, especially as you want a big to be. So mm-hmm. 
Um, he's just gotta he's gotta kind of find one or two skills and just hammer those down and stay out of the way, <laughs> and then just do what he does best on defense. Absolutely. And something else about the Pistons, um, you know, we're talking about them a lot, but I, it, they deserve it. Um, is I think if their best lineup is huge. It's absolutely massive. You have Cade Cunningham, who's really tall for a point guard, has a giant wingspan. You have Jaden Ivey, who's 6'4", 6'5", but has a really long wingspan as well. You have Sadiq Bey, who's 6'7", at the 3", with a 6'11", wingspan. And then you have, what take whatever two giants you want and put them at 4 and 5. And, you know, we, we kind of saw that with Boston this year. Like, those lineups can work, um, in, in the playoffs especially. When you have... Uh, big guards and big wings that can defend it is super difficult to score on um and i think that's also everyone is going to be excited about their offense and i think that's obviously understandable i'm also really excited to see how their defense looks with all these guys on the court absolutely no that that, i mean the level of athleticism and length they have is is a really good starting point to just try to build something and those those guys i mean you know it's 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 not a lot of a lot of the small ball era, whatever era we in is era we are in is not just it's not about really downsizing your centers. It's about kind of upsizing your your guard players and mm-hmm. allowing them to be switchable and and not be attacked on defense. And I think I think Cade and Jaden Ivey can definitely fit into that. Like if that's if that's your your backcourt, like that is a very stout backcourt defensively and offensively, of course. And we'll we'll see how Ivey's shot comes along. Um, mm-hmm. He he he. In his second year in college, he went way up to thirty-five percent on on better volume too. So I expect I expect him to be a passable shooter. I mean, he might need to develop into that, but he might not he might not need it because he, going to the basket, he's going to be a force even as a, a rookie in the NBA. Yeah, I mean, it, it's kind of known in the NBA that rookie guards don't do that great. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it, it's very rare that they do. It's helpful that he has Cade next to him. You know, like we were talking about with Cade, though, I don't expect Ivy to have an efficient season. Um, it's really about learning the game and, and, and the speed and, you know, how to get around defenses and all that stuff. So um, I, all I want is to see flashes of greatness from Jaden Ivy, and I'll be, I'll be ecstatic. And the great part about him is that it seems like he's perfectly content not getting, like, 40 pick-and-rolls a game. Right. Like, being the number two guy, attacking closeouts on the weak side. Like, I think he fits perfectly into that role, and... Kate is someone who I think is going to have a very high usage and have the ball a lot uh, as long as as he plays on the Pistons. So Ivy should fit right in in that role next to him. Absolutely. And, you know, I mean, this is this is throwing it back a little bit, but when Jaden Ivy was playing with the, I think the U18s at, at the U18 FIBA World Cup or something, I was watching him a lot because it was him and Chet. Um, and he... He was really not afraid to shoot the ball at all, like you said. He was taking deep threes and making them. Obviously, a different level of game, but I think there definitely is a shooter in there. Shooting in college is really difficult. Yeah. Uh, the spacing's all messed up. Obvi- you know, it's closer, but it's still really hard, I think, to get clean shots, especially when you're a player like Jaden Ivey and the defense is going to be keyed in. Onto. Right, it's going to be able. To, it's going to be easier to rotate back to the three point line since it is closer too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was the U nineteen World Cup last year. Um, Anyway, we'll move on from the Pistons. Uh, we got to give them some love. If you're in Detroit, get season tickets this season because the prices are going to go up. Uh, we saw that in Milwaukee. 
Um, all right, who do you want to bring up next? We're only halfway. Are we only halfway through? I think we're four out of six. Okay, we're four out of six. Okay, good. I my last team that I kind of took a deep look at was the Minnesota Timberwolves. Mm. So (laughs) their biggest move, obviously, was trading. I don't know if you want to bring up the details uh, specifically, but trading a boatload of picks: Jared Vanderbilt, Patrick Beverly for Rudy Gobert, and. this is this is a move. It's, it's certainly a move, and I have a, a lot of thoughts on this. Did you did you pull up the whole trade? In? Yeah, yeah. So the Timberwolves received Rudy Gobert. The Jazz received Malik Beasley, who's you know, um, Patrick Beverly, Leandro Bolmaro, Walker, Walker Kessler, who was a first round pick in this draft, in this right. recent draft. Jared Vanderbilt, four first round picks and a twenty twenty six pick swap, um, which I don't think is gonna. I think. I don't think it's going to end up mattering. I think the Timberwolves will probably be better than the Jazz in 2026. Right. Um, but that is that is a lot to give up, um, especially for a player that, uh, you know, we've seen, I don't want to say be exposed, because it's really not all his fault. Um, I think offensively, we can say exposed. Defensively, sure, I think it's a more complicated. Sure, but I, <laughs> one of the most frustrating things for me about watching the Jazz is they refuse to pass it to him in the post when he has a mismatch. And I think, I mean, I'm hopeful that, one, I mean, he's not going to be able to carry much of an offensive load in Minnesota. And two, I think he, hopefully they'll be able to take advantage of that. But that's just, you know, that was really frustrating. I, don't, I think I remember talking to you about No, it. I think it's a, it's kind of a chicken or the egg situation. It's because, like, why are all these teams comfortable switching their guards onto Gobert? Is it because he's he, he's not competent offensively in the post? Or is it because they never throw it to him in the first place? It's right. like, it's probably both. But it, it, it was... I'm glad that he's moving um, somewhere else because that... Well, obviously, the Jazz look like they're going full rebuild, so... Right. Definitely, it'll be interesting to see how his talents can translate in Minnesota. And I'm... I'm okay with trading all these picks eventually, and it's not really necessarily about the, the picks, but just the fact that, you know, the opportunity cost of what does that mean? Like, could you have made another mega trade to surround, surround Cat, who just signed his extension, and Ant, who looks like a budding star? Could you have used those picks to get someone else around them? I don't know if this was the right time, necessarily, after you finally made the playoffs um, for the first time since Jimmy Butler was there, and... Still haven't won a playoff series in a very long time. Um, look, I, I'm relatively high on Gobert too. So, so I guess okay. So theoretically, let's let's kind of take a look at what this means. So it kind of makes sense on defense. You have Rudy Gobert guarding fives in, in the drop coverage that he loves and in, in the regular season is the best at. And you can kind of hide Carl Anthony Towns on shooters. I just think Carl Anthony Towns will still find himself in awkward positions there, especially against certain matchups. But that's the reality of having Carl Anthony Towns. True. I mean, you, it's better that probably than having Cat in like a drop or right, some exactly. weird like blitzing scheme. Exactly. Yeah. Um, okay. And, and and even though I think Rudy is a more competent switch defender than I think people realize, mm-hmm. I just don't know if you can put together great switchable lineups like with you know with Carl Anthony Towns on the floor too. And and, and I mean you know I, I, we'll see about Rudy Gobert defending some of the best the best perimeter players in the NBA. I mean, he'll still do a better job than a lot of centers for sure. Mm-hmm. But, and then on offense, okay, like, Cat Carlton Towns can space for Anton Gobert pick and rolls, but is that really how you want to use this uniquely special offensive talent in Carl Anthony Towns? And if you want to have Ant and Cat in actions, then Gobert's there just kind of doing nothing, maybe hanging out in the dunker spot. I don't know. It just, it just seems, 
at the end of the day, they are both centers. They both played like a hundred percent of their career minutes at center. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it's a big it's a big gamble to me doing this and giving up as much as you did, even though theoretically some aspects of the fit make sense. That's a lot, but what do you think? Well, you know, I I, I do think their biggest Minnesota's biggest weakness has been their rim protection, and like I said, that's the reality of having Cat, and they clearly think their window is now, um, and and they went out and made this trade. Uh, you know, I, I, the Bucks traded three first round picks for Drew Holiday. The difference was they were on the precipice of a finals and Giannis is right. a top two player in the NBA, top three player in the NBA. The Anthony Davis trade. You're, 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 you know, you're, if you get Anthony Davis and LeBron, right. you're an automatic contender. Right. Right. I mean, but Anthony Davis, you know, is a different level than Drew Holiday for sure. and Rudy Gobert. Sure. Um, also that. Maybe. <laughs> um, so, but you know, it, it, it is quite a bit, cause I mean, you also gave up two rotation pieces. I mean, Patrick Beverly was very important, um, to them. In, in their play and win. Um, I kind of feel bad that he's not in Minnesota anymore, honestly, because it seemed like he loved it, but that's that's besides the point. Who's going to jump on the score table now? Exactly. <laughs> um, but like you said, theoretically it made sense. Offensively, it's going to be a little bit clunky. They're going to have to figure out, you know, um, they're going to they're basically, they're going to have to figure out what they're going to do um, on offense. Uh, yeah. I think for me... Initially, I was not as down on the trade as, as I think like many people were for Minnesota, um, because to me it makes sense what they're trying to do, and I don't think there's many players in the NBA, and I don't think there's really any available uh, that you would provide the level of rim protection that Rudy Gobert gives you, and also gives you the stuff that you might want on offense to make him a perfect fit with Cat. You know what I mean? Um, so uh, they addressed the biggest problem that they had. Uh, there might be some more minor problems on offense, but at the end of the day, they have Ant and they have Cat um, on offense, and those guys are going to find ways to score. Uh, so we'll see. Basically. I, I kind of I get what you're saying, and p- part of part of my kind of um, hesitance about the whole thing is is just kind of problems that's that are inherent with having Carl Anthony Towns and kind of Rudy Gobert too. Right. But but if you're gonna have those two players, who would you want them with? Maybe exactly. each other, yeah. But yeah. but do, do I think it's good enough to win a title? Well, no. I mean, and, and I mean, and that's usually why you're gonna trade for first round, unprotected right. first round picks. So that's 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 where, and I think, I don't know. We'll we'll see though. But I mean, it seems like they were committed to Carl Anthony Towns. I mean, anytime you can take a guy staying in Minnesota for that long. Um, and you have a player like Anthony Edwards to pair him with, and you were going to keep him. So th- there's that aspect, and then so you're going to have to work around Carl Anthony Towns. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, and, and and this is not about Rudy Gobert. I'm not like you know, I'm not one of those people memeing Gobert on Twitter or like whatever. I'm I'm high on Gobert. His teams have always been better with him on the court, and he and his teams have been amazing when he's on the court. And in the playoffs, defensively, I think he's been he's been poor basically because he didn't have anything to do because he couldn't defend a whole team by himself mm-hmm. offensively i do worry about him I, I don't think he's very useful unless he's just rolling towards the basket but like you said maybe he should have actual opportunities to take advantage of switches maybe they should, they should actually throw him the ball to counter that kind of defense being played against his teams but the the, the thing that's also a little bit annoying about the trade is that like you'll say like oh like his weaknesses will be better mass in minnesota and they will be a little bit but like, Jared Vanderbilt and Pat Bev were two of their best defenders last year, and they were going away. So, mm-hmm. again, I think Gobert's going to have a heavy, heavy load. Not as heavy as Utah. Like, they, like Donovan, there's not Donovan Mitchell there who was, like, 
I think probably one of the uh, worst perimeter defenders last year, like especially going into the playoffs. Um, but yeah, that defense will be missed, and Gobert will have to guard a lot again. But but not as much, and I do think it's still. I get it. I get it. But then the price and what is it actually getting you? We'll see. And maybe you can always trade Cat or Gobert um, mm-hmm. again. But yeah. Well, so I mean, I think. We expect Anthony Edwards to take another jump, probably, to be like a 25-point-per-game scorer, right? Cat's already there. You have D'Angelo Russell, who's an 18-point-per-game scorer. Um, so you have, I mean, theoretically, you have scoring on offense. I know that's not necessarily how the NBA works. You pick up Kyle Anderson as well, who can just be a corner three-point shooter in lineups with them, maybe. Um, I think Bryn Forbes is actually going to yeah. be sneaky useful. Like, him in a two-man game with Cat just seems ridiculously annoying to guard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, absolutely. I mean, they made some interesting pickups outside of Gobert as well. They have young players like like Nas Reed and Jalen Noel and um, uh, I'm forgetting his name, Jaden McDaniels. Yeah. Um, who, you know, I maybe those guys improve too. I mean, Jaden McDaniels is actually a player who I think has gone kind of under the radar. Um, sneaky good role player. He has good numbers, um, especially for a role player. Uh, he could improve. They added Eric Pascal, too, who is a player I've always liked. I don't know how useful he's going to be in the playoffs or whatever. Um, but it's a really interesting team. And I, I, I do think for this, more than any other team, maybe than, more than any other team that I've ever like thought about, is we have to wait and see. Because uh, it really could, I could see it going either way. Um, and I, I guess I'm not really willing to say um, until we see. Yeah, and, and to be clear, I, I know I was mostly being critical because I, I you know, and, and maybe maybe this is... Well, four first-round picks is a philosophy. lot. I yeah, mean, four first-round picks is a lot. No, no, I, and, and I think and this is a flaw in my philosophy a little bit. I tend to view a lot of things through the lens of a championship, and that's not... Maybe that's not necessarily what it's about. Maybe they want to sell tickets. Maybe they want to get... They, this team hasn't won a playoff series in, right. in, dec- in over a decade. Well, it's also so, it's about keeping Ant, too. If you can win a couple of playoff series in the next four years, he's more likely to stay. Exactly. I mean, I don't think that's something that you can look over, either. For sure, for sure. Um, and and he, he really, I think, is the most important player on this team Absolutely. going forward. He's a ridiculous talent and has so much room to improve and such a great personality. Um, glad to have him in the league and... Uh, He's awesome, but yeah, I mean, just yeah, just to quickly mention some of the things we just we, we just kind of uh, t- touched on. Um, the addition of Kyle Anderson, like you said, I think is a pretty decent one. I don't think he's going to change your life, but I don't think he's going to ruin lineups either. He might just be kind of a placeholder player that ends up playing a lot in the playoffs. Hopefully he can get his three-point shooting up a little bit for some more spacing. Um, Bryn Forbes, like I said, not only useful as a shooter, but he is a shooter-shooter. Like, like his shooting's not going to go down in the playoffs because... Because players are like closing how harder because he can he can he can make threes while he's like falling backwards like yeah with his I eyes mean, closed we did see him struggle last year a little bit like uh I guess Brooklyn for sure for sure um you mean two years ago or two well, seasons yeah. ago yeah La- last calendar year right. <laughs> <laughs> um but like I said I think like get him in a handoff game with Carl Anthony Towns is gonna make defenders step up and then Carl Anthony Towns can suddenly get into like four-on-three situations. That seems like a really cool tool, particularly in the regular season, to use. Um, and yeah, I think, like you said, I mean, Minnesota's offense, almost with their talent alone, is going to get up there. They were like the seventh offense in the league last year for cleaning the class, filtering out garbage time and everything like that. Um, and they were really close to like the top six and five. So I think, 
I think they'll be able to manage on that end. And like you said, Gobert, highest floor raiser defensively, maybe in my lifetime. So <laughs> it's going to, in the regular season, I should say. So I, do, I, I don't want to gloss over the fact that the Timberwolves are better. I think they're better because of this trade. The question is how much and was it worth what they gave up? And we will see. We will <laughs> see. All right. Moving on to our final team, right? That's our final team. Yes, our final team. Um, the Philadelphia 76ers, that's the team I wanted to talk about. I am incredibly, incredibly excited about this team. Two huge additions, I think, in the offseason in P.J. Tucker and DeAnthony Melton, uh, who are going to be pieces that contribute in the playoffs, which I think those anytime you can get those type of players, it's, it's awesome. Um, and I, for me, I don't know why, but I do have a feeling James Harden is going to be not the James Harden of old, but closer to to that than he was last season. I mean, I don't know if it's just like a gut feeling or if it's because, you know, last season was kind of weird how everything went down. Maybe because he um, opted out, freeing up some more flexibility for Philly. Yeah, maybe he's more locked in, you know? Yeah. Uh, we'll see what happens with the tampering stuff. <laughs> um, but I am super excited about this team. And to me, I think they're clearly the third best team in the East. Um, I think they're ahead of Miami now. Um, which, you know, might be a radical take. But I, I really, you know, Joel Embiid had an MVP-like season last year. James Harden is coming back. Like I said, they added those two pieces I mentioned. And to me, it's, is Tyrese Maxey going to continue to ascend? Is he going to continue to improve? Because if he does, that's great for them too. Um, and, you know, they have some other nice pieces. They, they added Daniel House. Matisse Thibel is obviously an elite defender. Paul Reed is someone that Sixers fans absolutely love. Um... And you know we'll see we'll see if he plays into the rotation this year, and you know I, I'll let you talk in a second here. But you know if they, if they have a closing lineup of, of Maxi Harden, Tobias, PJ, and Joel Embiid, like that is a solid. That's scary. that's a solid closing five. I mean that, I mean it doesn't really have many weaknesses. Yeah, I think even Tobias last year I think showed better better flashes defensively and kind of is more. Um, uh, He's embracing the role of just kind of being like a 3 and D type of player, especially mm-hmm. since they have Harden and Bede. Um, Harden and Embiid were super good in the pick and roll last year. I mean, it makes sense. Those, those are two yeah. extremely great players. Um, and I think, like you said, I think Harden's going to have a bit of a bounce back season. I think, yeah, like you said, I don't think he's going to be the same player as he was like in Houston when he was averaging like 36 points a game. And mm-hmm. uh, like not, not an MVP candidate by any means, maybe not even an all-NBA guy, but you have your your you have your MVP candidate in Joel Embiid who, you know, this team can stay healthy. It feels like every year people are higher on the Sixers than they end up being, but I do love that P.J. Tucker addition too. He's going to fit so well next to Joel Embiid. He can take on difficult matchups while you can have Embiid maybe guarding um, a traditional center on the other end so he can play in a drop and P.J. can can take on some tough assignments um, around him. And Tyrese Maxey, like you said, made huge strides last year. Super fun player to watch, like super, super just, right. he's just got a pop to him that, you know, you you can't really develop in a player. Like he, mm-hmm. he just started off with that. And he had the emails and like you said, super cool defender, um, a better shooter than I even I realized when digging into the numbers. Um, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, like he shot 37% on high volume relative to his minutes last year and 41% the year before on lower volume. So I think right. he, he, he's definitely going to be able to add some shooting, which... 
which you need a little bit with um with PJ Tucker being a one dimensional shooter at least. Right. And uh, so yeah, I, I I this this roster is is kind of awesome. And Daniel House, you know, he's he's just like a nice bench player who can fit in a lot of lineups and can kind of be like a three and D guy who you don't want deeper into the playoffs, but right. like at, like playing super high minutes, but he can play some minutes. So yeah, they've got a lot of options. You know, we'll see what what Doc Rivers can do. Um, kind of people were a bit surprised that he's returning this year, but uh, it'll, it'll it's a huge huge season for the Sixers. I think to right to to get to the Eastern Conference Finals, that's got to be their goal. Absolutely, and you know, adding these guys, you also lose Andre Drummond, which I think will be good for them. Um, he was, he was, he was, he was you know, he was, he was. But I think, you know, on balance, I think it'll be decent. To at least see what you have in Paul Reed, too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, Niang, who, who showed flashes last regular season, and Korkmaz, who has not been good in two years, um, those guys aren't going to be in your rotation anymore. And Matisse Thibel is not going to have to play as many minutes as he was. You're going to use him situationally on defense, I think, much more than before, where he was really one of your core rotation pieces off the bench. Um, and, and he still could be. I'm just saying, like, you know, with the addition of DeAnthony Melton, you have another option. Melton is a really good defender. Like you said, he's a great shooter. Um, you know, Tyrese Maxey was actually first um, in, in corner three-point percentage in the NBA, and DeAnthony Melton was ninth. Um, Maxey's at 58%. DeAnthony Melton's just under 50%. So, you know, and we've seen those guys really succeed. Those type of guys really succeed with James Harden in Houston. Obviously, they have P.J. Tucker as well. Um, right, one of the original guys who's yeah. with Harden. Yeah, yeah, and Daniel House, too. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then you, on top of that, you know, James Harden, uh, you know, like I said, he's not going to score 36 points per game, but you have Joel Embiid now. It's not Clint Capella. It's Joel Embiid running the pick and roll with you. Right. <laughs> and he's a 30-point-per-game scorer. He can shoot. And then you have Tobias Harris as well, who can, who can get his own points. Um, for me, with Maxi, the biggest thing I want to see is, can he run the offense without James Harden on the floor? And that's going to be the biggest development he needs to make in his game for this team to be truly, truly successful, in my opinion. Who is going to be the facilitator? Who's going to handle the ball when James Harden is not on the floor? Uh, last year, when Maxie and Embiid played with James Harden off, they were minus 14.1 net rating. That's not good, uh, you know, with two of your top three guys on the floor, or two of your top four. Right. Now, that was a small sample size. It's only 167 minutes, but... I think that speaks to Maxi's lack of facilitating prowess. Um, and that is certainly something I think he can improve. Uh, like you said, he has pop. He's a really good scorer. Uh, if he can add that to his game, it's going to be really hard to play 48 minutes against this team in the playoffs. Absolutely. I think that's a, that's a good point because I think while you can get away with just kind of I think they'll have enough play playmaking, basically just staggering Joel Embiid and James Harden. Sure. Because yeah. Embiid is a great, you know, regular season playmaker. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, trying to playmake out of the post against long defenses that have really long wings, it's just, it's just kind of, it's, it's more difficult. So Embiid's going to have s- some more issues there. But if Maxi can, you know, have a really good two man game with Embiid in those lineups with James Harden off the floor and can um, take some of that playmaking burden off of Embiid too, I think that's going to be really important. And like you said, I think Tybal essentially like he's just kind of a bonus at this point. Like he he could get zero minutes in this year's playoffs, and I don't think that's necessarily like a bad thing at all. Mm-hmm. Because like PJ Tucker is almost like a, a, in, in some ways a better version of Matisse Tybal, and you've got DeAnthony Melton now, as you said. Um, it, like he's yeah, like obviously we've seen in, in a couple different playoffs now. He's just he, he's 
not able to do much on offense, but now you've got more players where they know their role. There's less question marks around a guy like Melton. Like, you know he's going to be able to fit in. And P.J. Tucker, you know what he's going to do on offense. He's not going to do much, even though he was doing a little more for Miami last year, but you at least know he's going to hit corner threes and get offensive rebounds. So, yeah. I I mean, the more I look at this team, like, I was, like, it's it's good, but this team's this team could be really good. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, you know, D'Anthony Mellon, in his first year in Phoenix, um, he played a little more as a facilitator because he didn't have to in Memphis. Once he got to Memphis, he, he kind of went down. So maybe that's something he can do off the bench as well. Um, but and, and to me, D'Anthony Melton is kind of like Otto Porter last year. Like, it is m- maybe my favorite pickup in terms of, like, a role player in the offseason. Um, I, I, I'm a big believer in him. Uh, and I think he's, he's going to add a lot to this team. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm excited about it. I don't really like the Sixers, so I, I <laughs> like just as an organization and, um, you know, obviously I want the Bucks to win. Um, but I, I think, I really do think that they can win a championship this year. I mean, I, I mean, I think a lot of people might think that, but I, I think they're firmly a contender is what I'm trying to say. So why don't we, uh, yeah, why don't we, why don't we go into our, into our listener question on that note? Sure. Um, so Pranav asked us to give our, basically our top five finals odds um, for this upcoming season. The, the, you know, this tends to change at the trade deadline and obviously, you know, what happens throughout course, the season, yeah. but it's always fun to do this. We're not going to give odds necessarily, but let's rank like our top five. Essentially. Right, right. Um, so who, who do you have at number five? Um... Let me just quickly do this in my head for a second. Okay, I think at number five, I have... Uh, see, the, six, the Sixers conversation made me, made me kind of want to put the Sixers in there. but So for me, it's either Phoenix or Philadelphia. Okay, um, I'm going to go with Denver at five, I think. Okay, okay. Yeah, I think I'm going to go with Denver at five. Okay. Uh, you know what? I'll go with Philly. Uh, I, I, you know, Phoenix, I understand why people are down on Phoenix. They kind of crap the bed in Game 7. Chris Paul is another year older. The whole Aiton situation is a little bit weird. They haven't really improved. Um, and, you know, if they get Kevin Durant, they might be number one. Um, but, I, I mean, I still think they're going to win, like, 55 games in the regular season and be a good team. I mean, they still have their young guys. They still have Bridges and Cam Johnson. Um, so, I don't know. For me, I'm going to put Philly at number five just because, you know, I was talking I was talking them up. So, I'm going to put them at number five. <laughs> you have Denver. I'm going to think that from here on out, I, we, we might have the same um, four through one. Uh, for me, number four is actually Golden State. I agree, yeah. Okay. I mean, we talked a little bit why about, you know, why we think they might not be quite as good this season, but they're still, they're the champions. They're still clearly a contender. If Clay bounces back even more than we think he's going to, um, they could be even better. And it really does come down to those, those, um, second and third year players that we were talking about for sure and would you agree that the uh you're like i kind of i think put like a a line like like i think there's a line between four and five oh absolutely like like the top four in a tier of their own kind of i I think so too but but i do think that second tier of phoenix denver philly maybe miami yeah i don't don't know Miami. maybe miami i mean maybe Dallas, which I don't think so, but their team's not that good. But yeah, Memphis, you probably um, have to throw in there too if you're throwing Dallas. Sure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I, I do think I do think clearly Phil, those three teams, Philly, Denver, and Phoenix, are at the top there in that second tier. Maybe I'm sleeping too much on Miami, but I do think PJ Tucker is a really big loss. Yeah, especially um, since they just didn't replace him in any meaningful way. Right. Exactly. <laughs> um, 
But yeah, no, I agree. I think the top four... Again, Kevin Durant pending. <laughs> sure. Yeah, I mean, even... You know, we didn't even mention Brooklyn. Because Miami was on his trade list. No, but we... I mean, Brooklyn, yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean, I mean, and, I mean, if, if the Lakers can flip Russ for Kyrie, I, I, don't, I don't... They don't get in the top tier for me, probably, but yeah. they're in the conversation, probably. No, absolutely. Um, you know, maybe even Minnesota. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, I think... I think these top four are, are firmly cemented as the top four as things stand today. Um, and then, you know, uh, similar, I mean, for number three, I have Boston. I assume you have Boston number three. I have Boston um, number three. And I think, I think Boston and Golden State are somewhat interchangeable. Um, I do think, I mean, I, I, we, we talked about this already. I, I do think Golden State potentially has an, well, I don't want to say an easier path to the finals. I just think that they're, um, they don't have to go through Giannis to make the finals. That's right. <laughs> um, which Who, is a big deal. Who's on your number one team, so it makes R- sense. Right, exactly. Yeah. Um, but Boston, I expect them to improve. They made additions that made them better, like we talked about. I think their players are only going to get better, um, except for maybe Al Horford. Right. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, I think they're a no-brainer at number three. They made the finals last year. Jason Tatum, hopefully, is an MVP candidate for them this year. Um and I think they'll they'll probably have one of the top two seasons in the East. For sure. Yep. No, yeah. We already talked about the Celtics. That that makes sense there. And then number two, a team that we really haven't even alluded to. No. Yeah. The Los Angeles Clippers. I'm guessing we yeah. built that at number two. Yeah. Uh, their roster. Their roster is crazy. Their roster is phenomenal. <laughs> um, and you know this also is kind of Kawhi pending. Um, you know how good is he going to be? Uh, coming back from from really missing what is it? Yeah, two two seasons now. Uh, well. A playoff and a full season. Yeah, some of a um, playoff and a full season. Right. Yeah. Um, but, like, even casually just adding Norm Powell and Robert Covington last year during the season. Right. Which was crazy, by the way. Yeah. I mean, well, yeah. that was a terrible trade for Yeah, for Portland, I, but like, I think there was some reason, but, like, at the end of the day, it also just doesn't make sense. Because yeah. now, now, like, I mean, because now that Portland has, like, uh, they have Jeremy Grant, and, like, it looks like they're kind of loading up to win anyways. I don't really understand why they need to do that. Yeah. But... Yeah, I mean, you know, Luke Kennard showed flashes last year. He's, like, Terrence Mann. Like, those guys, mm-hmm. maybe they don't play. Maybe they do. They can. Like, they have upside to be really good. Right. Um, they lost Hartenstein, which I know a lot of Clippers fans really liked and was good last season. But, like, they are so deep, and they've got so many wings mm-hmm. who can play and switch, and they're going to be, and shoot, too. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> like not, a lot of them can, like, actually shoot. Yeah. Not just, like, theoretically shoot. Absolutely. So, yeah. And, I mean, and those top two, you know, those, those top two two-way wings, of course. But, you know, I think we are assuming, you know, Kawhi Leonard's going to be a similar player. But even even if he has a bit of a drop-off, they, they are a contender in my eyes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, the wings. Batum, uh, Kennard, who can't really defend. Obviously, Kawhi and Paul George. Amir Coffey, who's an interesting player. Um, yeah, I mean... Terrence Mann, yeah. yeah Terrence Mann, oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's it's crazy. And then you have John Wall. I didn't even say Robert Covington. I got John Wall, who, like, maybe... That's what I was going to say, yeah. Is, yeah. You know, Wall... Some upside, like, on a team like this, with a bunch of wings around him, I could see him actually right. being worth, like, uh, whatever, um, like, a mid-level next year or something like that. Right. And, you know, I think we would be remiss... It's something we've been talking about a lot to, in, on this podcast, or at least I have been, is facilitation... Um, I mean, who's going to be that guy? Is it going to be Kawhi this year? Maybe. Um, is it going to be Reggie Jackson? <laughs> um, I don't know. 
Uh, I, I think that is something to watch, too. I didn't even mention Norm Powell when I was listing Wings. Um, I mean, I know you mentioned him earlier. Yeah, but... Did we mention Marcus Morris at all? No. Okay, yeah, so. <laughs> it's so The team's so deep. For them, it's going to be about, one, bringing Kawhi back up to speed and staying healthy. And also figuring out, they really got to use this regular season to figure out what their best lineups are um, and what their best rotation is. Because they can't go into the playoffs not having played together much and not knowing how to deal with the fourth quarter. Uh, I totally agree with that. I, I, and I, I think like that, that is something they're, they're 100% going to have to figure out. Because, um, I mean, do you just play four wings? Do you go the Toronto route and just play five wings? I mean, <laughs> they could they I could think essentially that's what's going to end up happening. They could I don't see do Zubac be playing cl- uh, crunch time of like, right. playoff games. And that, that has been their biggest weakness in this whole Kawhi Paul George era, era is rim protection as well. And, and they don't have that. Right. Um, you know, but maybe they have. But if you can't like, get to the rim, that that's its own form uh, of rim yeah. protection. So <laughs> no, that's that's true. Um, but you know, if you have to play like cat in the first round, I think that's going to be difficult. Um, so, I mean, I still think they win that series. <laughs> yeah. But, but I'm just saying. Because also, I just think cat. Like, I mean, particularly like if we're getting the weeds of it. Right. You can kind of just like bother him. Like if he has the ball in his hands on the perimeter, he's a little bit like. I, like, I think he would really struggle, even if Kawhi just straight up guarded. Absolutely. Well, yeah. and the, then the Gobert comes... Like, you can literally just ignore Gobert and yeah. help yeah. on Cat. But... With all these rangy wings who can help him recover, so... Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so, yeah. They're, they're number two for The me. interesting thing is, like, if they had picks... If, if they had picks, then they would be a more interesting, like, trade destination in terms of, like, consolidating, like, a Robert Covington and, like, a Luke Kennard contract to, like, get yourself up to a max. Yeah. Like... Kyrie Durant. Irving's yeah, Kevin Durant, <laughs> but Kyrie Irving's always been a team people have talked about. Mm-hmm. Then they turned into you know runaway favorites. I think also if they had maybe not though because there's there's, there's a lot of injury and inconsistency built into that move as well. So maybe like yeah. like I, it's it's a tough question to ask because it depends on so many things. But like, would you try to go aggressively for a trade or would you do you stick with this depth and optionality you have right now? I I, I do think depth's a little bit overrated in the playoffs. Um, like you don't need eleven guys. No. Uh, so if they can if they can trade some of those guys at at the bottom, um, of their rotation who are still good players. Like I think if they can trade Reggie Jackson for something, they absolutely should. Um, I mean Reggie Jackson has been honestly like really good for them. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think I kind of, I kind of I don't know I kind of want though the, some of that like just like standard point guard north south. Yeah, but energy. I think I think maybe John Wall can do that. Maybe he can, but they should definitely see you before they. Well, no, yeah, no, no, absolutely. I, I just think if they can get a real center or like just even a guy who's like six nine or six ten who can kind of play in the paint, I think it could be useful. Maybe they, I mean maybe they really don't need that. Um, well, but, yeah, but I mean, if they're not really giving up, it could any, be a Miles Turner destination. It's no, possible. exactly. Like yeah. Miles Turner would be phenomenal, and he, he he might not even have to play down the stretch for them if they don't need it. But to have that option, especially if you come up against like Giannis in the finals. Um, Kawhi, yes, he was very successful in Toronto against Giannis. Giannis, one, is a different player. But two, it's because they also had Ibaka and Marcus Gasol and Pascal Siakam helping. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I do think at the back of every team's mind that wants to win a championship, they have to be like, how are we going to stop Giannis? Because there's a very real, very real possibility that he's going to be there. Um, so I think if they can get someone who can kind of do that, and Marcus Morris doesn't count, um, as a player that can do that. Um, yeah, I, I think that'll be good for them. Yeah, it's it's scary to think about what they can what they can do. Just 
being able to space the floor. And that's that's how they destroyed the Jazz last year um, without without uh, Kawhi Leonard for the for the bulk of the series. They came back without Kawhi Leonard, just spreading them out, five out, getting into the teeth of the defense, forcing help, and then just finding open three-point shooters. And they have the guys to do that and be able to switch and defend on the other end and re- really be a problem. So, yeah, they, they're... It'll be exciting to see them. Hopefully they can be healthy and we can watch some real basketball games where, where Kawhi's integrated back into the lineup early on and we'll see if they're for real and as good as they look on paper right now. Yeah. And you know what? Maybe Musa Diabite turns into the guy that can yeah. be the honest stopper. Um, certainly not out of the realm of possibilities. Um, that, that was their second round, second round pick, their draft pick this year. They don't have first round picks. Um, all right, going to number one. We're both homers. But also, I think they are the best team in the NBA. Uh, we both have Milwaukee, I assume. Unless you don't have Milwaukee in the top five. No, I have Milwaukee. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I mean, they have the best player in the NBA. Last season, they took Boston to seven without Chris Middleton. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I, I just... I think Giannis will get even better. Um, you know, Chris Middleton went underwent surgery this summer so we'll see if he he comes back the same player but this team will be more well rested this year i think right. although you know what Giannis is playing in Eurobasket. that uh, is true so we'll see how that goes but drew and chris went to the olympics last year right um and i mean i don't think there's really a whole lot to say with milwaukee uh because they're pretty much the same team um yeah there's but, yeah. there's the first round pick marjan bochamp and then yep. there's there's uh joe ingles on the mm-hmm. mid-level those are the two really main additions um besides that they're running it back and that's really all they could do given their the lack of cap flexibility that they had and Mm -hmm. why not when they were like as you said so close to getting to the eastern conference finals without their second best player or their best player depending on how how you want to look at that um but yeah no i mean i think it's all about just you know will we see like will we see some some regression from brooke lopez will he Mm -hmm. be able to defend the rim in in the regular season will chris Will Chris Middleton have an, like an all-star caliber offensive season? Because ideally, you'd want to see him have a little bit better of a regular season than he did last year. Right. Um, and then you know, can will Drew hold up offensively in the playoffs? You know, just the same questions you always have. But at the end of the day, you have the best player in the world on the team, a, an absolute nightmare on both ends for, for mm-hmm. any team. And like you said, a real a, a player that everyone needs to consider when trying to build a championship point at this point in his career. Right. And, uh, yeah, but keeping Pat Connaughton and Bobby Portis um, are huge. They, they were huge role players in the title run for them. Mm-hmm. And they're, 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 they're two-way players that, that you can count on in big spots now. Right. So and Bringing uh, back Wes, I mean, Wesley Matthews. Well. I, I don't know if I can say Bobby's a two-way player, but at least, you know, he, he's, he's shown an ability to, to be a part of great defenses in the playoffs. Right, yeah. Bringing back Wesley Matthews, too, I right. think is, is big. And Javon Carter. Um, and Javon Carter. And Serge Ibaka. We'll see what that is. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> But uh, Javon Carter is a player I have high hopes for, and I know a lot of Bucks fans have high hopes for. Uh, hopefully he can become a piece that contributes in the playoffs uh, uh, this season. But, um, yeah, not, not too much else to say on Milwaukee. I'm sure we'll talk about them quite a bit once the regular season starts. Uh, before we get out of here, I had one more um, listener question, more of a fun one. Um, Samir, our resident Pistons super fan, asked, do they bring back the teal jerseys too soon? I love the teal jerseys. Um, haven't been around for a long time. I mean, the, I love that all these classic jerseys are coming back, by the way. Um, you know, I think some of the jerseys that have come out in the last few years have been kind of, you know, whatever. Um, but I, I do really like the classic jerseys. I think what he's asking is, should they have waited to bring back the teal until when they're good? 
But I think this is perfect. I think you bring back the teal now. You get some old heads back in the building into <laughs> Little Caesars Arena. Yeah. They see this exciting team, and they'll buy that teal Cade Cunningham jersey and be there for the next 15 years. No, I think I think this is the perfect. I think this is the perfect moment to bring back a fan favorite jersey for almost like a fan favorite team. It seems like like a lot of people are getting excited about the Pistons mm-hmm. besides just Pistons fans. And I think I'm I think a, you know I'm gonna buy a jersey. I'm gonna buy a teal jersey. <laughs> yeah, no, they uh, they they um, are gonna be a super exciting team, and I'm I'm looking forward to seeing them in the trail jersey this year. All right. Uh, if you did enjoy this podcast, please make sure you leave a review on wherever you're listening to this. It really helps us out. Uh, you can follow us at Clear Out Podcast on Twitter, um, and you can, or you can email us at clearoutpodcast at gmail.com. Email us with your listener questions, with your thoughts on what we've been saying. If you agree, disagree, we'd love to know what you think about Rudy Gobert. Um, but with that, we are going to get out of here. See you next time on Clear Out.